0: Uh, I wanted to go to the word a little bit today and uh, I don't know how much of this I'm going to do um, in order. Let me, when I say in order, I mean today I'm going to share with some of you some thoughts. I don't know if we're going to continue it next Sunday or what this Wednesday or not. I don't know. Um, I know I have to do a series on this at some point in the year. I don't know if the Lord wants me to do it in person with you or, or if I can do it on live stream. All I know is that I was sitting in one of the services with Pastor Edwin Anderson in the morning. And I know many of you watched the services and they were very rich in revelation. Uh, they're always, always are. Brother Copeland was just phenomenal as always, taught on faith and uh, and just all of them, Pastor Nancy, Pastor Anderson, Pastor Josie. Oh, I got to say this to y'all. If you didn't watch Thursday night, with Pastor Joel Siegel, Reverend, oh, wow. he's not pastoring anymore, his wife pastors, he travels. Reverend Joel Siegel, Thursday night, the last service. I need you to go on their archives and I need you to watch it on the on the World Harvest Church Defray Ministries website archive. He shared a very timely and very important message right now with what's going on in COVID and about conspiracies and about staying in the spirit, about staying in, in the truth of God's word and not being so easily swayed and moved by the news media and by this voice and that voice. And I'm telling you, I thought it was it was so timely for, for this moment in time, for what people are going through with all the voices and all the what I call white noise out there that is happening in the world. I thought this is... This is the this is a great message. I wish everyone in our congregation had been there on Thursday night. So all the messages were precious and powerful, but if you if you only have time for one, listen to Reverend Joel Siegel Thursday night. I believe it will help you. Amen. And it will help keep us focused during this season, focused on the truth and not on conspiracy theories or on the opinions of others. Let's just stay with the truth. Amen. So powerful set of meetings, but on one of the mornings with Pastor Edwin The word of the Lord came to me as I was sitting there and he said to me, I want you to share this with your congregation right away. Now, there's other things uh, that I'm going to share about the local church in a series, but I don't know when that will be. Maybe this Wednesday, maybe won't be till we're back in person. I don't know. But I know he said when you get home right away, right away doesn't mean Wednesday. It means today. Right away means today. He said, I want you to share this. Uh, something that you learned from Pastor Edwin, I already knew it, but when he said it, it just relit a revelation fire in my heart. Yeah. And so I want to start, please, if you would, with um, the book of Revelations chapter three. Uh, we're not talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse in the morning, uh, mm-hmm. praise God. But uh, Revelation has a lot more in it than just the apocalypse uh, or the end days. Revelations chapter three, please, if you would, and uh, and verse uh, 16 Have you got your Bibles there? Open them up, Revelations 3, 16. Actually, let's start with 15. Praise God. And it says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert wert or would be cold or hot. So then verse 16, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. My, 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 because thou saidest. Now I want you to notice the next verse 17 is connected with being cold and hot. People don't usually read verse 17 because they just end with verse 16, but you should read verse 17 because it's connected to being cold or hot. Because thou sayest, why are you cold or hot? Because, why are you lukewarm? In other words, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not, you don't you you know it's not. Jesus is saying that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Wow. Wow. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Let me, let me let me give you a little key here. The people that end up being lukewarm think they need nothing. Now, Jesus is specifying those that are rich think that because they've got everything that they need. And, and, they, and they don't really need to use their faith because they're rich. Uh, they have need of nothing. Now, he's talking to the church. Technically, this is the church of Laodicea that he's yes. writing. So that means they were rich. This is another good rich verse, Jenny. Amen. This is another rich verse that obviously people in the church of Laodicea were rich, or he wouldn't have said that they That's were rich. True, he's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the church. He's talking to born again believers here. And they were believers that had need of nothing, that were wealthy, that were well off. They had done well in natural living. They had businesses or a success or whatever it was they were doing well. And sometimes when you're financially set, you don't need to use your faith quite the same because everything's taken care of. You still do, obviously, for things that money can't buy, like healing and favor and marriage and money can't buy that stuff. You always need to use your faith. But sometimes wealthier people get this illusion that because I've got money and everything's going good in my life, I don't need anything from God. And Jesus, I want you to notice this congregation because I'm speaking to you by the spirit now that Jesus himself, it's written in red. That means your master, the captain of the host of the army of the Lord, your savior, the Lord Jesus Christ personally and specifically said that those people that felt that they needed nothing from God. Now, he said they were rich, but you don't have to be rich in order to feel like you need nothing. Some people just feel like they need nothing, but they're poor. They're just disinterested. They're just not they're not stirred up on their, on the inside, people that feel that they don't need anything from God, that they don't really need anything. They're not hungry for anything. Those people are verse 16 lukewarm. Yes. So how do you get lukewarm? You start thinking you don't need to come to prayer meeting. You start thinking you don't need to tithe. You start thinking you don't need to live clean. You start thinking you don't need to not watch that movie with the pornography or with the horror or with the this or with the sleeping scene. It's not overt pornography. It's soft pornography. You see, has somebody having sex and adultery or fornication, but that's okay because it's a romantic comedy. Right. You see, when you start when the when you lose the need when when. I need to be clean. I need to stay close to Jesus. I need to feel his anointing. I Amen. need Amen. to feel his presence. When you stop having that need, lukewarm is knocking on your door. Amen. Because he said, now rich people especially struggle with this, but anybody can struggle with this. It's not a, a, a financial status, it's a heart issue. If there is a, an act of I have need of nothing. Jesus says, and he's talking to Christians here. Are you listening to me? Yes. Christians in the church of Laodicea. And he says, you that think you don't need nothing, you that are just satisfied, I'm just satisfied. Don't ever be satisfied spiritually. Amen. Don't ever just, oh, well, everything's okay. I'm just going to sit on my haunches. He says, when you have no need of more from God, when you're not pressing, Amen. what did Paul say? Forgetting those things. I press." toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. When there's no press in you, you don't feel you need anything. I always need something from God. I'm not talking money or healing, although sometimes I need both, but I always need his presence. I always need him to be pleased with me. I always need to hear his voice. I always need his power. I always need to know his will. There's There's an eternal need in me for him. Do you understand? And even rich people can don't have to fall into the trap. This is not meaning that you shouldn't be rich. You can be rich but still feel like you need Him. Look at Jesse DePlantis; he's one of the richest men in Louisiana, and he needs God. Look at Brother Copeland; He's what he, God's blessed him. Look at Pastor Nancy; God's blessed her. They need God. So this is not meaning that if you're wealthy that all of a sudden you don't need God. He's saying wealthy people have a tendency to be this way, but others as well. But when there's an attitude of no, I don't need God anymore, I'm satisfied. This is when you become lukewarm. You were hot, that's when you needed him, or you were cold, backslidden. He'd rather you be backslidden than have the attitude that you don't need him. Backslidden is I don't want you. Cold is I don't want you. But it'd be better, Jenny, for them to say, I I want you, that's hot, or I don't want you, yeah. I don't need you, that's, Luke, that, that's cold, backslidden. But to say, I love you, but I don't really need you, It's like me. I don't mean to be whatever, but it's like me saying to Jenny, you know, I don't really need you. I love you and I don't mind being a roommate with you. Right. But I don't really need to spend time with you. I don't really need to be intimate with you. I don't really need to do things with you. And I don't just mean sexually. I mean, just friendship, just companionship. You know, Jenny and I, we like doing the dishes together. We like doing things together. It's not sexual in nature. It's just because she's my best friend. I just want to be with her. But what if I just didn't want to be with you anymore? I didn't want to sleep with you anymore. I just wanted to be roommates with you. Right. What we would have done is we would have come from a very a place of passion and hot and fire. And I need you to a place of lukewarm. I don't really need you. I'm just going to live with you, but not really with you. Amen. And, and, and then the, now the cold is if I move out, if we separate or divorce, now we're cold. But have you ever noticed that couples that have that Luke, I'm, I'm speaking to you by the spirit here. Amen. I hope you're listening to the congregation. Yes. Couples that have that lukewarm relationship usually go cold, not hot. Absolutely. Most couples that have become lukewarm, they have the tendency to leave each other and become cold. Yes. They don't normally refire and become hot again. It's possible, but, you, but most don't. I'm just telling you after 30 years of counseling, people, I'm telling you, when they hit a lukewarm stage, 90% of the time it goes into cold. Yeah, mm-hmm. It doesn't reverse back into hot. It can, but they're not willing to pay the price to get back into hot. It's the same with God. When people get to a lukewarm stage, it is going to, in most cases, turn into a cold. They may stay lukewarm for a while, but they're going to get cooler and cooler and cooler until they're soon. But you don't have to let it go that way. You can turn. You can refire. You can say, "Father, I may be a little bit lukewarm. I may feel like I don't need much right now, but that's wrong." I see that you said Man. the one with this attitude is wretched. Yes. The one with this attitude is miserable. Yes. Miserable. Miserable. The one with this attitude is poor. Yeah. So they were rich, but God called them poor. poor. First of all, because their wealth was going to suffer physical, but also spiritually, they're poor. This one is blind. They can't see, not physically blind, but they can't see the truth. And naked. They're not clothed with his presence. They're not, they feel like, you know, when, if, if you're thrust out and you're naked, you feel shame. Yes, so they you feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So there's a, Jesus says, you're if, "You're if you're lukewarm because you feel like you don't need me, you don't need the local church. You don't need what I'm doing in the local church. You don't need your private prayer life with me. You're actually, even though you might be rich or you might not, either way, you're not interested. And you're actually a wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, vulnerable, wow. shame individual. And he's preaching to Christians, and even rich Christians, Amen. although it applies to any Christian. So what is what is the thing here? He says, "Don't be lukewarm. I'd rather you backslide or be hot for me, but don't be in this attitude of I don't really need it, but I'm here." Right. I don't really need you, Jenny, but I'm going to live as a roommate with you, yeah. not as a husband to you. I don't really need you, Pastor Craig. I don't really need promise of life, but I'll just kind of show up. You displease the Lord yeah. Jesus Christ yeah. with that attitude. He wants you with a fire of needing. Amen. I need to be with my brothers and sisters. And I'm just saying, I want, I need it. Mm-hmm. Did you notice he didn't say, and have want of nothing? It's not just a matter of, I want to come to church. I need To come to church. It's not just I want to worship with my brothers and sisters. I need the corporate glorious anointing experience of corporate worship. I need to sit there and hear my pastor teach me. Not just that I want it. I want it too, but I need it. He used the word need. It's a necessity in my life. When there's a need for things, your actions will show it. The the, the person that needs to play golf wakes up at 6 a.m. for the tea time. He doesn't wake up at 6 a.m. any other time in the the week because there's a need in him. It's a want, but he needs it. That's why he that's why he disciplines himself to do it. The person that needs God gets up to pray. They don't just want God. They need God and they stimulate themselves. They stir themselves. They they discipline their they, they, they harness their emotions in their body. To obey their spirit because they need something from God. And they don't just need something from him. They just need him. We just need him. We love him. We need his presence. We need his voice. We just need his smile. We need him to know that we love him. And we need to know that he loves us. And we do theoretically. But when his presence comes, it becomes that much more real to you. And there is a need. Now, Pastor Edward never preached this verse. But, but I'll share the verse that he preached in a second. But as I was listening, I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, say to me, when you get back right away, I want you to talk to them about being hot, cold, and lukewarm. And that the fact that when they're lukewarm, they feel like they don't need me. And they don't need you as the under shepherd. And they don't need the local church. And that is so, dis- that's so displeasurable to me that I call them wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And these are believers he's talking to, not sinners. And I expect them to make a change. And so I, I just want you all to know that God expects you. Uh, he, he, This is not an option. This is not well if you feel like it. He expects you to need him. He expects you to have an attitude of, I need you, Lord. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I'm filled with passion. I'm no longer cold. Maybe you were wet one time in your life, but then you got born again. You became hot. Now you're flirting with lukewarm, but I reverse it back to hot, Father. I reverse it back to hot. I reverse it back to hot. It's so important. Pastor Nancy made a statement to me. Uh, We were sitting with her having lunch uh, on the on the Friday afternoon before the meeting started privately uh, with one other couple. And uh, and and she said something. She was asking how we're doing, how she greets everybody. She greets all of you. She loves all of you. And uh, she asked how the church was going and, you know, we're live streaming and stuff. And, and uh, one of the ministers there had said, the minister that was sitting there with me had said, well, he'd heard a statistic that many people, uh, I think it was up to 40% in the American church. I don't know about Canada, but in the American church, up to 40% of people that had been watching live stream, because most churches are on live stream if they're not allowed in their buildings like us, up to 40% start shopping around for another church. Because they're, because unless they're there in person, they don't, it doesn't, what the live stream offers isn't enough for them. And, and I said, pastor, why is that? And she says, well, simply because they don't preach the word. When you're in a church and there's lights and fog and smoke and this and that and, sure. and show, show, feelings, emotions. Right. And you got the guy on the guitar and you, and there's nothing wrong with the guitar. I'm just saying, but you got the showmanship. Yes. And then you can't show up and you're just sitting, uh, the thing on the, t- on the screen doesn't have the same impact as the service. And it was all based on a bunch of phooey. It was based on a bunch of nonsense they built their church upon the sand instead of on the rock of the word of God. And Brother Hagin always said, don't build your church on anything but the rock of the word, not on the gifts of the spirit, not on emotions, not on technology, not on charisma, not on personality. Don't base it even on leadership skills. A lot of churches are built on leadership abilities and they read all the leadership books. Nothing wrong with the leadership book, but that's not what the church is based on. Amen. He said, I'll build my, my church upon this rock. And that's not Peter, the Catholic church got it wrong. He's not talking about Peter. Uh, Peter is not the rock. What he's talking about is the rock of revelation when G. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Upon that rock of foundation that I am Lord and savior, I will build my church. He built it on a rock. He didn't build it on personality, didn't build it on technology, although those things are fine in their place, but he built it on the rock of his word and on the revelation that he is the son of God. Amen. So he expects churches today. It doesn't matter that we have high technology, that is irrelevant. Churches need to be built on the rock of the word. Yes. And Pastor Nancy said, if they if they taught their people, if they taught their people in person, yes. and taught their people on live stream, nobody would leave. Right? Because it's the word that they're after. It's not the emotional experience of being in the building with the fog machine. Right. But because so many churches don't preach the word, they haven't built it on the word. Then when when they, when when all their emotions and all their stuff is removed, and the people realize I feel empty. Really, what they're doing is they're just going for the show. They're not going for the word. They're going for the show. Then when the show is removed or limited because of the live stream lessens the experience of the show, then those people, they get get discouraged. They get to whatever. I'm going to look around. And I said, well, in in my heart, I said, well, in Jesus name, uh, we have zero. We're going to have zero percent, not 40 Mm percent of people trying to shop around because the live stream doesn't cut it for them because you're not in it for the technology or for my personality or for the color of our carpet. You're in it for the word Amen. and the anointing on the word and the moving of the spirit to confirm the word. Cause he said He'll confirm the word with signs and wonders. Yes. So we're a word and spirit church. That's why we haven't seen, we've seen a little bit, but that's just because listen, Jenny, this scenario has revealed. It's like a, it's like the hot water. Yes. COVID was the hot water. And 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 people have been the tea bag been put in the hot water. Amen. It was been, it's been a year of shaking. It has been. And things that can fall when the shakes when the when that when the earthquake shakes buildings yes. that are made right stand buildings that aren't made right fall. That's right. And so there's always going to be a falling and a standing when there's a shaking. Yes. And is. in our church we had maybe less than three percent, maybe three percent, three to five. I would say generously five. I don't even think it's that high. I think it's more like three percent, two to three percent. That when I looked at the numbers last time of people that had basically, uh, you know, they didn't tell us they've left, but they've stopped tithing and they've just they don't they don't watch, they don't tithe, and they just disappeared. They didn't tell us they were leaving. They didn't say goodbye. They just disappeared. And some of these, if I told you who they were, you'd scratch your head because you know the words of grace that come out of their mouth. Uh, Oh, well, you know, this is it. I'm so uh, uh, this is my life. Thank God. I'm so grateful. You know, all that's a bunch of garbage. Just just be quiet. Just show me you're faithful by your actions and quit with all your fancy words, because the people that usually talk the most. They usually leave the fastest. I don't know why that is. I don't know if they're overcompensating for something or they're feeling guilty for something. I don't know. But sometimes it's the, the simplest ones, the quietest ones that are the longest lasting. I'm not saying that's always the case, but that's many times the case. So I don't even listen when people give all this fancy words because it actually is a concern to me because I'm thinking, why are they saying all that? Is this an indicator that Pastor Nancy always said in, in her 25 years of pastoring, the ones that told her they loved her the most and that, they, and that this was the best church they have ever had, they wouldn't a year. They were always gone. I don't know what it is that they're overcompensating for something, or whatever. They don't mean, don't ever tell me you love me. Don't take it into a ditch. And don't mean, don't ever say that you love the church. I'm just saying people that are overt, they're just like a gusher in it. And they're saying it every time they see me, that's where there's a danger sign. So, you know, yeah, we had maybe 2 or 3% of the church do that because there's a shaking, Jenny. And sure. the ones that are weak are going to fall. Yeah. And the ones that are lukewarm already will just become cold and they'll leave. But... Only a very small number. And that encourages me. You know why? Because the vast 98% of our congregation before COVID hit 97, 98% of our congregation were are not in this for emotions We're not in this yeah. just because of a live worship experience As important as that is They weren't in it just because they could feel the anointing in the building As important as that is yeah. They weren't in it because of my, because of the way I look The color of my skin, my my emotions yeah. My charisma, my personality Or my wife's They weren't in it just because the church is conveniently located Up Derry Road, right, close to 410 by the 401 I mean, i got a whole spiel for the radio How conveniently we're located But that's for people that are carnal that I have to say, but not for our people. They're not not—they're not here because we're conveniently located. They're not mm-hmm. here for all these other reasons. They're here for the word. Amen. And that's why 97 to 98% of our congregation remained faithful during this time, mm-hmm. both in attending online and giving and then coming in person. Yes. That's why, because we've built our church on the rock. Mm-hmm. We haven't built it on sand. And so I said, thank God, Pastor Nancy, your church, my church, this other minister's church, uh, we have. They, we none of us have experienced such a loss because we've built it on the solidity of the revelation of the word of God. And that is why you come. That is why you watch. That is why you, that's why, because of your covenant and because you're growing, praise God. So I, I, I say this to say, and, so, and, and I was saying, as we're sitting at the table, we're talking about this thing. The other minister said about the 40% and we're talking about that a little bit. And then Pastor Nancy said a statement and I pulled out my phone and I wrote it down because I thought it was good. She said, a cup of coffee will cool quite quickly when removed from the heat source, Amen. just in the natural, yes, a cup of coffee will cool quite quickly when removed from the heat source. I thought that is so true. You take a cup of coffee; it's going down every minute. It goes yeah. down a part of a degree, and then a full degree, and then another part of a degree, and then a, until you have the to your personal preference. You know, you let it sit there a while until you it gets to the place where you like to drink it. And everybody's a little different on that. And the heat source is the key. Amen. If you have a plate or a warmer and it's a heat source, it'll keep that coffee hot. Tim Horton's in their thing, you know, they put that carafe back in the heat source to keep it boiling hot so that when when it's time, they take it off and they fill the cup and they put it back in the heat source. If they took it off and just put it on the counter, uh, 10 minutes later, the customer that gets that next coffee, it's gonna be lukewarm, it's not gonna be hot. The heat source is critical to keeping it hot. And uh, I, I just want you to know that in your life, Your primary heat source is the chief shepherd, which is Jesus. And your secondary heat source is the the under shepherd, which is me. And if you will stay close, that's what Pastor Nancy was saying. She she was saying if people will just stay close with their pastor, even at distance, by watching and by connecting and by sowing. Because remember, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So speak words right about me and about the church and also where your treasure is, your heart is, Matthew six. So continue tithing and giving when your words are right and your giving is right. And then of course you just make the effort and discipline yourself to stay interested and have a need in your life for God and keep watching and keep speaking right and keep sowing right. You will stay close with me as your pastor, which is one, the secondary, it's not the primary, but it is the secondary heat source in your life. And your carafe of coffee will stay hot. You'll stay hot for God. You won't turn lukewarm if you'll stay close to the heat source. Now, you can't just watch me and stay close to me as your pastor and the local church exclusively and stay hot because you've got to have a private relationship with Jesus where every day, not just Sundays and and Wednesdays. But every day you're spending time with him, you're praying, you're praying in the spirit, you're praying in English, you're worshiping him, you're reading the scriptures, you're talking to him, you're fellowshipping with him, you're loving him. That private relationship is your primary heat source. And then the local church and your pastor that God has given you, I have a grace for your life like pastor has for me, there's a grace for your life uh, in, in my anointing and in my office. As an individual, I don't, but in my office as your pastor, in the anointing of the pastor, there's a grace for your life. And if you'll stay close to the chief shepherd, this is in Peter it talks about, I'll get to that scripture in a little bit. If we don't get to it today, we'll get to it next time. But, the, but first Peter talks about Jesus being the chief shepherd. And by extension, theologically, we know that the pastor then is the under shepherd. So if you'll stay close to the chief shepherd and close to the under shepherd, then you'll stay close to those two heat sources in your life and you'll stay, what does Revelations 3.16 says? Stay hot. It'd be better that you totally backs it and walked away from God than it would be for you to just hang around church being lukewarm, but not really needing God, not really needing anything. Staying hot. Stay close to the heat sources in your life. If you haven't prayed yet today, some of you never just woke up and turned on live stream. Sometime this afternoon, spend some time with Amen. Jesus, worship Him. Yes. Listen with all of our technology and your and your phone. Just download a song. Go on YouTube if you don't have the nine ninety nine to pay for Apple Music, which I would encourage you to pay for because you can get every worship album that there is. Amen. Praise God, Jenny and I have been listening to some old time singing by 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 um. Jimmy Swaggart, you know, when I was small in Africa, my mother would crack the door and put on a a record player and she'd put on Sometimes Hallelujah by Jimmy Swaggart. In 1979, he recorded it. I listened to that song almost every night going to sleep. And I haven't heard Jimmy swagger in a long time. And the Holy Ghost prompted me and said, there's an anointing on some of those old songs that you have disregarded because they're not in the modern culture, but the anointing is still on them. That Go back come. and listen. Jay and I have been listening and the tears just start yes. streaming down our face. Yeah. Some of them are a little bit nerdy and corny and cheesy, which I don't listen to all of them, but some of them, boy, there's such Definitely. an anointing on them. And the, the anointing just comes. God don't care that it was recorded in the seventies or the eighties. The anointing that God cares that it was authored in heaven yes. and that Jimmy got it and play it on the piano that's all God cares about and the anointing comes and I just start to weep as I worship God my wife the same and uh and I'm telling you whether you listen to some oldies or some newies or newbies or whatever you do but do something worship him worship him if you don't want to spend the 9.99 for apple music then go on youtube and type in worship music Do something, show him that you need him and work your hands and say, I love you. I worship you, Father. I bless you. If you don't feel like praying, then pray the prayer of praise and worship because praise and worship will put you in that flow to do the other kinds of prayer. Spend time in his word. That is your primary heat source. Commit to it, connect to it every day and you'll never go lukewarm. You'll never feel I don't need something. Stay with me like I preached Wednesday before I left, like the like the. Like the cavalryman, that the, the general that rides his horse into war. And, and he said to me in in, the, in that psalm that I wrote, in, in, that, that the Holy Ghost came on me to write in the past: the noise of the rider, and the noise of the rider is him. He showed it to me as he rides he rides and into war. He's saying, Don't get distracted, don't get, don't, don't, don't let the foliage and the roots and the rocks and the trees cause you to leave me. Stay close, because we're about to enter battle. And I call to you and I say, Stay with me. We're in we're in this together and we're going to win now that is the local church the office of the pastor staying connected this is a secondary heat source for you if you get far from the primary and if you get far from the secondary for any length of time you're going to cool off real quick a cup of coffee will cool quite quickly Mm -hmm. when removed from the heat source Stay with the two heat sources and stay hot. Amen. And don't get to the point of, well, I'm showing up and I might even be tithing, but I don't really need him or need God or need this. I'm satisfied. I'm fine. Everything's good. You're lukewarm. And I remind you that Jesus calls you wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's right. So stay hot. Yeah. Praise God. I said, Lord, is there any other verse that you'd like me to share about staying hot? And 2 Timothy 1 6 bubbled up in my spirit. 2 Timothy 1 6. So turn there if you if you have your Bibles. I know it's eleven fifty five, but I'm going right through to t- I'm taking my liberty. Praise mm-hmm. God. I'm going to twelve fifteen. I got twenty more minutes. A lot can be done in twenty minutes. Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> so don't quit on me yet. Let me go to twelve fifteen, and then Reverend Taylor will come back, and then you'll all be so happy when you see Reverend Taylor because then it means that I'm done. Praise mm-hmm. God. But First Second Timothy chapter one and verse six, and the Bible says, uh, "Wherefore I put you in remembrance." In remembrance, that means Jenny that they forgot. The people forgot to stir themselves. So they had to be reminded. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now he was a minister and there was a five-fold office gift that was put into him, but it's not only ministers, it doesn't just apply to fivefold offices, and every one of you have a measure of the gift of God in you. Why? Because all of you have the call of God, it might not be a five-fold call, but there's a purpose, there's a plan, there's a call that God has on you to do, and you've got the gift of the Holy Ghost on the inside of your belly. You've got the gift of God. Jesus is the ultimate gift of God, his blood, and you've got covenant on the inside of you. So while this was written to the minister, it technically, theologically applies to every believer. And so here now, put thee in remembrance that you, didn't say God would stir it up, that you stir up the gift of God, which is put in thee. So I have to remind you, because Paul had to remind spiritual son Timothy, which means it's possible for people to forget. And when people, Jenny, feel like they don't need something and they become lukewarm without even hardly realizing it, they didn't probably do it because their heart's wrong. They did it because they forgot. So you need to be reminded. You need to be put in remembrance to stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost, stir up the presence of God, stir up the power of God, stir up the hunger for God, stir yourself. I can't stir you. I can only stir me. You've got to stir yourself. God can't stir you. You've got to, he'll help you if you'll start. Do you understand? When you lead the horse to the water, you can show him the water, you can try to put his head toward the water, but he and only he can put that tongue out and lick that water. You can't make him drink. He has to choose. I can't make you get hot. I can't make you stir yourself, but I can present it. I can pray. God is influencing you. The Holy Ghost is helping you. But only you can make the decision to get born again. Only you can make the decision to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Only you can make the decision to walk in faith. Only you can make the decision to stay hot. Only you can make the decision to stir yourself. How do you stir yourself? Put on some music and begin to worship him. If there's no music, sing your own voice and begin to worship him. Pray in the Holy Ghost, just choose to do it. You don't need to feel anything. Read the Bible, just choose to do it. You don't need to feel anything. And as you pray and as you're in the word and as you worship and as you minister to him and as his presence comes, you will stir yourself up and you got to do it every day because Lester Summer said, faith has to be renewed every day. Yeah. Stirring has to be done every day. Okay. If you let it go too long, you'll start getting cool because you're removing yeah. yourself from the, from the heat source. But I show up at church, but I watch church. Yeah, but your primary heat source, which is Jesus. Yeah. If you're not connecting with him, you're removing yourself from the primary. The secondary won't be enough in the long term. People that never pray at home, but they're faithful to come to church. It will hold them for a season. But after that, they'll still fall into lukewarm and coldness yes. because you can't. It's not only about church or the church is hugely important, but it's your pastor is hugely important. But Jesus is your chief. I'm just the under. Jesus is most important. Yes. You've got to have that connection with him. You've got to need him. Yes. You've got to love him. It can't just be what well, I want you, Lord. It's I need you. I need you. I need you. Yes, Lord. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Praise God. I need you, Lord. That's the right wording because Jesus said, when you act this way, you say you have need of nothing, but you have great need. You have need of the presence of God, the power of God, the healing of God. And if you've got all the money you need, which most of us don't, you've got all the health you need, which most of us don't. But if you do, praise God, you still need his presence. You still need his his instruction for your future. Your future being that day as well as next week, as well as next month, as well as next year. You need to know, you need counsel. Yes. so that you don't go the wrong place and get in car accidents and get hurt you need the leading of the spirit you need his presence you need his power you need his help and if you've got all that done you still need his glory and his anointing so that you can minister to other people so you can lead them in salvation so that you can cast the devil out of them and heal them and see miracles if you've got your life perfect which most of us don't but if you fit into that one 0.1% category where you say I got everything I need from God what well, God still expects you to be the mouthpiece for him to to get people saved, which means you still need him to lead you to those that are ready for mm-hmm. salvation. You still need his anointing and his power to cast out devils. Yeah. You always, while you breathe oxygen on this planet, you need him. Mm-hmm. Stay close to your heat source and stay close to your secondary heat source mm-hmm. and you'll never fall away. No, that's right. But you have to stir yourself up. You have to do it. I can't do it for you. Amen. You have to do it. And I'm just giving them a little bit of hint, Jenny, maybe everyone's different. Maybe they're feeling different to me. But the way when I'm not in the mood, when I'm feeling a little bit, whatever, I'm having a hard day, something bad has happened. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm not feeling well. And I don't always just feel like praying in tongues right away. Right. What I, I know I'll do it if nothing else works. But it's more than that. What I do, maybe you're different. Do what works for you. But I'm just telling you what I do. I just start to worship. I find no matter what mood I'm in, no matter what I'm feeling, if I'll just start to worship him. Mm -hmm. I don't mean just running around dancing because you can go into that. But sometimes when you don't feel like praying, you certainly don't feel like dancing. Now, you should dance even when you don't feel like anything. Wigglesworth did that at the beginning of every morning. And that's why he said enjoy all the time. But what I'm saying is if you're having a hard day, you can always step into it by just worshiping. Him, Father, I worship you. I praise you, I love you. And just simple, it could be speaking, then it could be singing, it could be to music, it could be to your own voice, but just start to do that. And you'll start to see that that, that, that help of God will come. And then that moves into other kinds of prayer and into the word and into him You being quiet and him speaking to you. And oh, it's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's so glorious. It's so marvelous. Mm -hmm. But you've got to choose to do it. Other people, they just like to read and that gets them. And other people like to just pray in the spirit. That gets them. I'm telling you, for me, worship and praise is so huge for me. I'm very sensitive to it. I I need it. I don't just want it. I need it. And I do it on my own. And without technology, we've got... Hundreds of songs at our disposal. Some anointed, some not, but still they're there. And then of course we've got his precious word and then his presence comes. But I have to stir myself up. I have to say, Craig, no matter how you feel, he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Now lift your hands, Craig. I talk to myself, lift your hands and worship him. He's worthy of it. See, I'm stirring myself up. I'm staying close to my heat source. I'm staying close to my secondary heat source because I watched Pastor Nancy and Dad Hagen all the time. And Dr. Dufresne goes are my main three. I watch them and listen to them and watch the old sermons. And then of course, when I have the chance, like I just did last week, I'm there in person. I can't be there in person as often as you can be there in person. You can be there all the time coming to church. I can only go a couple times a year with my pastor, but when I have the chance, I'm there. I stay close to the main heat source. I stay mm-hmm. close to my secondary yeah. heat source. And that's why I don't get lukewarm. That's why I don't become wretched. That's why I don't become miserable. Yes. That's why I don't become poor and blind. That's why I don't have, that's why these adjectives don't represent me because I don't get to the attitude of I don't need it. I always need, it. Always need it. I don't ever get lukewarm or cold. I stay hot, but I got to stay close to the heat source or I will cool quickly. Praise God. I, I was. I had other stuff, man. I had good <laughs> stuff, Jen, But But I just this couldn't get off stuff. this. I just couldn't get off this. I just felt that's what mainly the Holy Ghost wanted you to hear today. It's so simple. Don't come to church always thinking that there's some brand new revelations nobody's heard because you'll be disappointed. And if you're looking for some revelation that nobody's ever heard, you better be careful because it might be from the devil and not from God because much of the word has already been preached to us. If you've been around for any length of time, there's just further revelation into the word that's already been preached. Mm-hmm. And we always want further revelation to come, but we don't always want some new doctrine. No, Because most of the doctrines are not ever going to be new. They're just going to have more revelation into what's existing. Yes. When more you get revelation. into something brand new that nobody's ever heard about, you better be careful. Because uh, if Dad Hagen never heard about it, and Brother Copeland's never heard about it, and Pastor Netsy's never heard about it, and I've never heard about it, and Brother Greer's never heard about it, it's probably from the devil. Now, I didn't say further revelation can't no. come. Right. But we're talking about something brand new that's not further revelation into an existing scripture, but some right. brand new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, they've got to be very careful. So don't come to church with that sensationalistic. Uh, I, I'm looking for sensationalism. Just come say, Lord, I'm looking for revelation, not sensationalism. And you'll never be disappointed because even though I've read you scriptures that you've heard, you've heard Revelation 316 and Second Timothy 1, 6 before. But see, there's more revelation that comes under the anointing while I'm preaching to you. There's more revelation. I bet you, many of you didn't know that lukewarm equals not needing God because that was revelation to me, that God revealed that to me. Now I'm giving that revelation to you from Revelations 3.17, praise God. And so every time we're looking in the scriptures, more revelation is coming, praise God. But we're not looking for some new fangled doctrine. It's existing doctrine that we're getting further depth on. Do you understand? Let me read you one more. Isaiah 44 and verse 28, and then I'll close. Isaiah chapter 44, I had three points today. I got done one point, but that's okay. Because thank God, unlike the traveling minister, I'm not leaving tomorrow and I won't see you again for God knows how long. I'm here and I'm here Wednesdays and Sundays and I can just keep on going, keep on trucking. Praise God. And we'll get it all out. But but my job was to be led by the spirit more than trying to get through my notes. And I felt the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me get off that. And that preaching anointing came on me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for the teaching and the preaching anointing. When Pastor Anderson was teaching this week about the pastor and that most pastors are teachers, some pastors can be preachers, but typically it is what did he say, Jenny? It is a more shallow, shallower church revelation-wise because preaching is more to inspire and it's more to get you, you know, in, into the gate. But teaching gets you all the way through the gate, so to speak. And teaching is instructional and informational more than uh, inspirational. But then my wife and I said to Jenny, I said maybe, I said, honey, am I a little bit maybe of a shallow? Per, uh, is our church shallow, maybe? Because I I, I do preach. And my wife said, because she, she's the recipient, I can't always tell because I'm the one here, but she watches and listens. And she said, no, she said, you've got a nice balance, Craig, of preaching and teaching. She said, you there's the anointing that comes on you boldly to declare and proclaim, which is preaching, which is inspired, in, it's, it's, it's inspirational, and it's often by the gift of prophecy, which is inspired utterance and proclamation. And he, she said, but you also... Have that teaching on you, where you can teach us the Bible, and uh, you don't, and, and then you're not always aggressive and loud and stuff. But you're teaching, and sometimes, like a few minutes ago, the anointing that came on me, I felt it come on me to preach while I'm teaching a point, but I'm preaching it. Yeah. And other times, like right now, that anointing is softer and gentler. But you see, uh, not every minister has that, and and in fact, most ministers that I hear, uh, especially in our camp, they have a teaching anointing only or they have a preaching anointing only, but they don't really teach much, they don't really. God's gifted me with a unique blend where there's preaching and teaching, where I proclaim and declare as well as teach and instruct. And that is unusual. And that really, I believe, is part of that apostle's oh, yeah. office more yeah. than yeah. the pastoral office. Absolutely. Because the pastoral office is more teaching, but the past... but the apostle's office can be both. Yes. It actually can touch all five. And I don't say that because I'm promoting myself. I say that because the prophet of God, the dad Hagen personally endorsed as a genuine prophet of God for the end days, Reverend Randy Greer. Reverend Randy Greer has publicly on numerous occasions talked about my apostolic office. So that's the only reason I'm saying that. It's not to promote myself or to think I'm more highly of myself than I ought to. And I would have never said it had he not said it. I've hinted things over the years, but I've never come out boldly and said it because you don't promote yourself. You let another minister that is over you in the Lord Uh, cause advancement to come. And when he did that, the Lord said, now you need to, now listen, Jenny, it would actually be wrong for me not to talk about it because for him to say it and then me to ignore it, for me to be embarrassed of it, for me to be shy about it, would actually displease the Lord. When God sees fit, independent of my desire, because I was a little bit shocked when he said it and almost didn't want him to say anything, but he said it, not me. God said it through him. When God said through him that publicly, In March 2020, that's when it happened, right mm-hmm. before COVID. In the same year of the mantle, mm-hmm. the same year of the mantle, the first year of Hebron, God started talking about the higher office. I think that's very symbolic. That's significant. Yes. It's not he in the Hebron in the zigzag season. He never he never talked about it at all publicly. He hinted. Doctor Dufresne called me out once in 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 the eastern part of Canada and talked about the other office, and then and then I said some things, just hinted, and Pastor Nancy has said some things privately to me. But God's never publicly said anything until the first year of Hebron, the year in which we received the mantle, which was 2020. And he said it in March. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think that's very symbolic, Jenny, because when, remember, God said to me, 2020 was four parts, fellowship, distraction, sacrifice, and anointing. Yes. And fellowship was the beginning of the year. Distraction was covid and then, of course, the fast and all that stuff was the sacrifice and then picking up the anointing in that end of that fast, yes. the, the mantle. But the beginning was fellowship. And we were only with Pastor Nancy at the beginning in January yes. and then with Reverend Greer in March. That was the only two ministers I saw the whole year. But but when he ca- equated it to uh, Elijah walking with Elisha before he got the mantle and the Bible says they talked together. Yes. I want I don't think they were talking about, you know, antelope. I don't think they were talking about, you know, brother Bob's uh, big toe that was hurting in Jericho. They were talking about the anointing. They were talking about the call of God. They were talking about things that related. When you know you're about to see somebody for the last time, you talk about the most important things. You don't talk about frivolous no, things when you know right. that's the last conversation yes. you're going to have. Yes. I wish I had known it was the last conversation I was going to have with doctor no. because I would have talked to him probably a little differently yeah. in that restaurant. When he went there with me and the Ramoses. And we had food together four times, three times that week that I preached a Bible school. He picked me up in his car, had three lunches with him. He died the next week. And, uh, and and in that last, I wish I had known. I would have asked him some things differently. But none of us knew. He didn't know. But, but he looked at me. You pay attention to the last things. Oh, yes. He looked at me very intensely. And he said, don't ever stop preaching the word and the spirit. Don't ever stop preaching faith. I said, I won't, dad. Like, what, why are you saying that? Don't ever stop. He was very intense. Don't ever stop preaching the word and the spirit. Don't ever stop preaching faith. A lot of people have departed from it. You don't ever stop preaching. You hear me? You don't ever stop preaching that. I said, Dad, I won't ever. I said, well, word and spirit, people, I'll never. I'd rather put a knife to my throat than stop that. I've seen other people do it, but don't you ever do that. And then he died the next week. You see, he was reinforcing my foundation. Oh, yes. Praise God. What was I saying, honey, before I got off on that? I don't know if you, know, if you remember. The conversation from Elijah. Yes, Elijah, Elijah. and Elisha. They were obviously talking about ministry, about the call, about yes. the mantle, about, because that's the last conversation. That's an important conversation. And uh, I th- and that, and that God said that conversation that they had represented symbolically your fellowship with Pastor Nancy and Reverend Greer in the beginning of this year, because that was our Hebron year. That was our plain of Jordan year. Yes. That was what the first of four segments of 2020. And I think it's interesting that in that fellowship time with Randy Greer, yes. which was like the Elijah to Elisha parallel, in that fellowship time, which included not privately only, but also when he was in our church building preaching, he was talking to me and to the congregation, privately and publicly, about things to do with the mantle, the ministry, the anointing, and the office. Just like Elijah and Elisha discussed holy things, so Pastor Nancy discussed holy things with me in January, but also Greer, he was the only minister we had in our physical building in all of 2020. I believe if Pastor Nancy had come, she would have said some things, but because she wasn't there, God used Greer, but he was the only minister in our pulpit in the entire year. And so God took that opportunity with Randy Greer as a bona fide prophet of God to talk about some things about, like Elisha and Elijah, holy things, things to do with the ministry, things to do with the office Things to do with the mantle, things to do with the anointing. And it's not coincidental that God wouldn't release it publicly until 2020, which was the year of Hebron, the year of the mantle. It's not coincidental that he released it publicly at the time that Elisha fellowshiped with Elijah. Yeah. That the man of God, somebody over me, would say publicly and privately, there's an apostolic call on this church. Amen. Do you remember he said that? Yes. Time? That was then, right? Am yes. I correct in saying that? Yes. I'm not misremembering um, that. No, I, not I think saying. he might have said a couple things lightly in previous years, but he really had that in March of 2020 because this was an important time in God's mind that he communicate to our congregation that it's not just the pastoral office that I stand in, but there's a there's an international global past, uh, an, uh, anointing and office in the apostolic call for me. And so sometimes that anointing to preach and teach will operate because I'm not just solely a typical pastor. So sometimes you'll see these the differences with me and it's and it's not just because I'm emotional. It's because the anointing comes on me sometimes a little differently to a typical pastor. And I don't only just teach, but that should make you happy because you, you get extra. You get bonus being in my congregation. Yes, you really yes. do. I'm not just saying that pridefully, but you get bonus because you get the pastoral and the teaching gift, but you also get the apostolic gift to a measure. It doesn't operate fully in the local church it operates globally more fully. But there's a measure of it that will trickle into the local church as well. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now Isaiah, what did I say honey? 44 as we close. Isaiah chapter 44. That's right. And I want to I want to just read you When Pastor Nancy said a cup of coffee removed from the heat source will cool quickly, cools quickly when removed from the heat source. Mm -hmm. And that's why up to 40% of many of the secret sensitive churches in the States are shopping around and leaving because it wasn't built on the rock of the word. It was built on the sand of emotionalism and showmanship. And she said to me, she said, but Pastor Craig, your foundation is strong. Our foundation is strong. The other couple's foundation was strong. Yes, And so that's why things should not be crumbling around us when the earthquake comes and they haven't not at all. Two to three percent. That's it. And there's always some rascals. There's always some rascals that don't get it. That's okay. Praise God. God will replace them sevenfold. We're not going to suffer any loss for it. Uh, And hopefully they'll come back because they're precious to me. I don't just cut them off because they left. I want them to come back and get replugged in and stir themselves up and become I need this. Praise God. Do you hear this? I think we should call the sermon, I need it. Praise God, or either having a need for God or something like that, but have that word need because that's the, that's the word the Lord emphasized this morning. Jesus said, you rich ones, you have need of nothing. In other words, really, not just about being rich. It's about those satisfied ones. If you're satisfied, you're just satisfied with your life. You have need of nothing. I'm never satisfied no matter how rich I ever get. I always have a great need for God. And a great need for the local church. And a great need for those that are over me. And if you stay with the need. The needing for something. The longing. The hunger. The passion. The fire. You'll always stay hot. Praise God. God. But Jenny. The scripture is about the word foundation. Because our foundation has been laid strong. Now some of you that are new. You didn't know this. But when we first started the church. We said this all the time. This was our scripture. That we spoke over our church all the time. And, and and I've told Pastor Harpreet and I've told Pastor Chris mm. Crookshank, say this over your churches all the time. It's powerful. Now watch this now. Verse 26, that confirmeth the word, Isaiah 44, 26, of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers. And that says to Jerusalem, Jerusalem representing the local church. Right. So I, I said over the promise of life and Pastor Chris says over Faithway and Pastor Matthew, it's so important, Pastor Matthew, you say this over Promise of Life Delaware and Pastor Happy say this over Promise of Life South Asian and says to your church, Jerusalem, thou shalt be inhabited. And we still say Promise of Life be inhabited in Jesus name. New people come. New people be filled, fill our seats. We don't stop saying that. And to the cities of Judah, in other words, all the departments within the church. Isn't that beautiful? The cities represent the departments. Jerusalem represents the church. The cities of Judah represents all the different aspects and facets within the church. Thou shall, ye shall be built. Hallelujah. So we say to the congregation, to the seats, be inhabited. To the departments that make everything work right, be built, be developed. Praise God. And I will raise up the decayed places thereof. The parts that aren't working right, the people that aren't living right, God will work on them. That saith, verse 37, to the deep be dry and I will drive thy rivers. Now watch verse 28. That saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. Now watch, now repeat the phrase. And saying to Jerusalem, notice there in verse 26, it says that saith to Jerusalem, now middle part of verse 28. And saying to Jerusalem, that's to the promise of life church, pastors, other pastors. That's to your churches. Thou shalt be built, and to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. So I would say three phrases, and I'd repeat one of them twice based on the word. I would say, Promise of life, I command you, I command you to be inhabited. I command the foundation to be laid. That's people coming and doctrine sound. Amen. Amen. And I command promise of life. And it's departments, be built. Three phrases. We say be inhabited, that's people coming. We say foundation, be laid, which our foundation has been laid. As of the 12th year, God said the foundation has been laid. But in, so the foundation of promise of life is laid, but the foundation in the lives of individual people has to be laid. Mm -hmm. So we can still say foundation in the lives of the people of promise of life, be laid. Promise of life, be inhabited. Praise God. And then what's the last one? Promise of life, be built, be developed in revelation knowledge, in natural things with the different departments being developed, being built up. Promise of life in love, being built up in love, edified in love, the Bible says, in faith, in the miracles and all these. Come on, promise of life, be built. Praise God. Mm -hmm. So our foundation is laid at the 12th year in the spirit, but individual lives and hearts. The foundation needs to continue being laid, especially with new people. Promise of life will be inhabited, new people coming and existing people staying. And promise of life built, built up in the words of faith, built up in power, built up yes. in miracles, built up naturally leadership with all the denominations, with all the denominations, with all the departments being developed appropriately. This is what we say. Now, because Jenny, we have had our foundation laid, we've had our people built and we've, we are an inhabited church. That is why we didn't see more than 2% loss That's right. this year. And I believe all those well, the few that represent that two to 3% loss are either gonna come back and get right or God's gonna replace them because we're not gonna suffer anything because the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter, not weaker and lesser and darker. Praise God. So my brothers and sisters, I'm done now, but I just wanna remind you, Jesus wants you to have need of him, need of your pastor, need of the local church, the primary heat source, the secondary heat source, the chief shepherd, the under shepherd. How, how do you do? How do you stay hot? Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. Keep saying the foundation is laid in my life and I'm being built up and that I'm being inhabited by the presence of God. Promise of life is being built up and it's being inhabited by the people and by the presence of God. And the foundation has been laid as a church corporately, but individually, the foundation is being laid into every heart, especially the new ones. Praise God. Keep saying that with me. Let's keep our foundation strong. Let's stay hot. Let's stay in need. Praise God. Can I tell you as I close, Jenny, I'm going to finish this and then I'm going to take my tie off and we're going to have some lunch and the people are going to go about their business and they're going to lock the building up, count the offer and go home. And everybody's going to have a normal day. But I'm telling you, probably within a few hours from now, because I can't seem to go very long. I'm going to have that sense in my heart. I need him. I need him. And I'll go somewhere alone in the house. I can't drive now because I'm isolated and quarantined, but I've got lots of rooms I can go into. I've got a little prayer closet. That's where I receive the mantle. I'll go in that prayer closet or I'll go in my bedroom and I'll just put on my worship music and I'll just start to worship him because I need him. It's not just something I want, it's something I need. I need him. I need his presence. I need his voice. I need to know that he's close to me. I need him to know that I'm close to him. I need his word. I need revelation from his word. It's my life. It's my life. Yeah. I'll listen to Brother Hagen probably later today. I'll listen to some of the sermons again from Camp Meeting later today yes. with my Amen. pastor. See, that's my secondary heat source. But my primary is I need him. Yeah. I need him. As long as I have need of him, I'll always stay hot. Yes. Pray. And I stir myself up. It doesn't have it's not just gonna pop on you like ripe apples over a tree. You've got to stir yourself up to have need and you'll stay hot. Father, I bless the people. Yes, I thank you for them. I thank you, Lord, even though I had much else to share, you know, another two points, another, another 66% of my sermon that I could have preached, but you just wouldn't let me get off the first point. So that means that you wanted me to repeat it over and over again, say it from different angles, say it in different ways, so that the people would get it. Lord, it's simple. But it's profound. So, Lord, we need you today. We love you today. We appreciate you today. COVID or not, lockdown or not, live streaming from the building or home makes no difference for my love for you, for my need of you, and for my love for the local church and my need for the local church. Mm -hmm. I praise you, Father. Let the congregation feel Pastor Jenny and I's deep love for them. More importantly, let them feel your deep love for them, Father. In Jesus' name, they're under the umbrella of our divine protection and our office. And in the rain may be falling, but it won't fall on them. Problems might be happening. Remember, Jenny, that word I had during the first lockdown, I saw that umbrella and I heard the Lord say the rain's falling, all the problems, all the loss, everything. But if they'll stay under that umbrella, they'll be safe. And that rather represented their submission to me as their pastor and to Promise of Life Church. And if they'll just stay under the umbrella of my office and of this local congregation, you will be safe. Praise God. In the year of drought, we will not be afraid. Our leaf will remain green and we will not cease. yielding That's right. Praise God.